OTB GAA. And he threw his famous patented dummy hand pass because he was a big handballer with his right hand and I literally moved into another parish. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. Very welcome back to OTB AM on this Friday morning. 21 minutes past eight with you, myself and uh, Adrian. We were chatting about the Stephen Gerrard news. Going to uh, elaborate that on that a bit more now as well with uh, Ben Jacobs, the football writer with CBS Sports Galazzo. Morning, Ben. How are things? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Very good. Keeping well. Uh, you, you pointed out on Twitter yesterday a couple of t- uh, quotes. Liz Truss, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. And then Stephen Gerrard, I'm a fighter. I will never, ever quit anything. So 24 hours is a, is a long time in politics, but it also is in football, it appears. Yeah, usually when a manager says that they are a fighter, not a quitter, the writing can be on the wall. And unfortunately for Stephen Gerrard, that was the case. And it's no real surprise because the Villa hierarchy have been planning for this contingency for quite a while just nine points from 11 games. And I think that the mid-season World Cup is making a lot of clubs in this position quite jittery because they want to make the change sooner rather than later to allow any new manager coming in to have a few games before the break. And then, of course, that gap, which is beneficial in some respects, particularly building up to the window. But if you're a bigger club and you've got all the players away on international duty, that break doesn't necessarily give the manager too much time to bed in. And then if you are World Cup players, you may have fatigue and you could be rested in those first few games after the World Cup. And I think that's why we're seeing such a managerial merry-go-round now so early in the season. And I don't think that Stephen Gerrard can have too many complaints because Aston Villa have looked a little bit toothless at times. And Gerrard had obviously done very well up in Scotland and had an immediate impact as well. But villagers haven't progressed there exactly where they were when he joined their teetering with relegation. And Gerard had said in the build-up to the game last night against Fulham that they had to get a result that he knew that it was a big week. And I think that was a hint to effectively say that he had to win that game or at least put in a quality performance. And it was exactly the opposite. They were second best in the first half and then the red card didn't help them and they obviously end up losing by three goals to nil. And the only harsh thing in terms of the sacking, I don't really understand why you had a scenario where Gerard actually did his post-match interview and about 25 minutes later was sacked and then he had to go back on the team bus with his former employer only to say his goodbyes when the bus got back at the training ground. And I think that it would have been perhaps slightly more professional on Villa's parts to at least leave it until first thing this morning in order to announce it. But this is football and the board had already made up their mind and they wanted to communicate that as soon as possible. Yeah, it was, it was all a bit strange after the match and it happened quite quickly, although Villa fans, I'm sure a lot of them will be happy that it happened quickly. Um the, we, we mentioned earlier as well, Ben, like the, the brevity of the statement was quite notable. Um, you know, club spokesman was quoted, not uh, any names. But uh, like, will there be calls now for, for Christian Perslow and for Johan Lange to, to take some of the brunt of this? Will there be call for more heads or would that be a surprising thing at this stage to see anyone else fall? Well, I think that's very logical, isn't it? That some of the accountability has to be on those that employed Stephen Gerrard. But how often do we see that in football? Nottingham Forest is the only recent example that I can think of where after a very poor transfer window in the sense that they haven't got the points that they would have liked, but a good transfer window in the sense that they brought in a whole flux of players. There was debate after the Nottingham Forest loss to Leicester as to whether Steve Cooper's head will roll and Nottingham Forest did the opposite. They rewarded him with a new contract and 
a couple of the executives on the recruitment side ended up being the ones that go. But I think with Aston Villa, the board are all on the same page. They're very ambitious. And rather than rolling executive heads, they plan on spending a lot of money and being as ambitious as they can with Gerard's replacement in the hope, probably, yes, of saving their own jobs in many respects. But I don't think that Villa will let too many more, if anybody, at a senior level go. It's all being pinned on Steven Gerrard. I don't think it's quite a case of scapegoating Steven Gerrard. He definitely has to take a large proportion of the blame. But fundamentally, football clubs work in unity and good ones should have some synergy and some shared accountability in both the decisions they make in recruitment and how the team performs on the field. But you can't ultimately sack a player for a bad result and you don't usually sack an executive for a bad result. And that's where the brunt of the responsibility falls on the manager. And in that respect, you feel a bit sorry for Steven Gerrard because every manager will say, if I had a bit more time, if I had a bit more luck, and you look, say, at Aston Villa and that game against Chelsea and they were brilliant and somehow they lost the game largely because of the performance of Kepa and a manager like Gerard can look at that type of game in retrospect and see the potential and believe that if he had a few more weeks, a few more months, he could have turned things around. But ultimately, there's a lot of quality managers on the market and Aston Villa have chosen to move swiftly. And as I said before, I think a big part of that is also down to a mid-season World Cup and clubs that feel they're moving in the wrong direction, heading the halfway point of the season, feeling that necessity to move now rather than wait. And yet for all that, Ben, like it does feel as if the brand Gerard is, uh, is at an all-time low, obviously, and every time he sort of spoke, post-match interviews or whatever, it didn't feel as if he was really doing himself any favours. Where do you think is the future for Stevie G now? Is this a, a fatal blow to his managerial career? I don't think it's a fatal blow, but it's just that classic proof that moving from a great club like Rangers into the Premier League can come with a baptism of fire. There's more pressure, there's higher quality, you get punished for your mistakes. But also tactically, I think that he was just outmaneuvered on a number of different occasions. And there's no time in the Premier League to learn on the job. And I'm not saying that Stephen Gerrard is a total rookie, but you're not afforded that ability to try things and learn and admit you make a mistake because of the scrutiny from the fan base and the fact that the penalty of relegation or even being there or thereabouts is so high. And his game management for me got found out. So you need more than one plan in the Premier League. Graham Potter's great at that. You need to be able to adapt to see out games and you need to work out how to motivate players. And if you're a quality player like Gerard was, that's one thing. But sometimes you can be blinkered in many ways because you used to do the game in a certain way from a certain position at a certain level and you have to realise that not every player has your talent even in the Premier League in the case of Gerard, but also you have to be able to motivate those players to change the game and tactics and I think Gerard's subs let him down at times his game management let him down at times and the team were just far too predictable whereas if you look at Lampard at Everton who's also come in for criticism he's been able to adapt a little bit more so what would make sense for Steven Gerrard is to take a little period out of the game to assess and learn and watch back on the tapes and work out how he needs to develop and seek advice from some seniors in the game. But there'll be jobs out there for sure, whether in the championship or even an assistant role. So let's see what happens with England, for example. He's never going to get the England job, but if Gareth Southgate leaves, who comes in? And then 
is that the kind of rebuilding for him as a number two or as an assistant? And that can be very helpful as well to not be the number one, but to go into a big club as a number two for a little bit, because then there's way less pressure, but you're learning from the best, you're seeing it from the best. And then at that point, you may find another opportunity to transition back. But because of his name, as a player, because of his pedigree, because of also what he did at Rangers. I don't think he'll be short of job offers, but I don't see his next role being anywhere close to the Premier League. That's interesting because we were chatting about that earlier on, about what the next step for him might be and whether he might do an assistant thing. Are we are we overstating his um, ego almost to suggest that the, the number two thing wouldn't be, uh, that he might actually be up for that? It depends where, because if you're offered a number two, an elite level club playing Champions League or ultimately internationally, then first and foremost, he may not see that as a significant step down, more as a short-term learning. And then was it an international job? And we're speculating, of course, Gareth Southgate is ultimately preparing for Qatar and there's no absolute indication that he's going yet. But if that hypothetical materialised, then you've got the ability usually in that context to take another job at the same time and actually balance the international with the domestic. So you're absolutely right to point out that Gerard has full belief and confidence in himself. So we'll be applying in terms of next managerial gigs for a managerial position at the highest level he thinks he can get. But at the moment, I don't see that being any higher than the championship. And that's why if a big club came calling and he had the opportunity to learn and get back into the game quickly, it just might be something that he considers. And it is a step down if you talk about it in terms of hierarchy, but it could well be exactly what he needs to learn from a manager with a little bit less pressure on him. You mentioned Frank Lampard there a minute ago, Ben, and, and there are going to be obvious parallels made between Lampard and Gerrard in terms of their managerial career, um, given that their playing careers uh, bounced off each other so much. Um, like Lampard strikes me as someone who, who fully got invested in the Everton culture uh, and was, was, was at one with the fans in, in many ways and still is and, and, and has completely gone hell for leather into that job. But is, is that something that Gerrard has, has learned to his detriment now that, that there never really was or never seemed to be at least from the outset um, you know, that relationship with, with the Villa fans? He never seemed to really get, get close to them. Yeah, and I think the difference is that at Everton, it's difficult circumstances. The club may well be being sold. They've had financial woes. So Lampard's really had to dig deep. And the only way of unifying that team and moving them in the right direction is to get invested within the culture. And I think that he's proving Lampard that he has that tactical intelligence that maybe at times Gerard has lacked, certainly at Aston Villa, less so at Rangers. Whereas with Gerard, he never quite warms the fan base. And I think that the border Aston Villa are more ambitious at the moment anyway than Everton's board for Everton. They're just desperately trying to stabilise for now. And then if a new owner comes in, let's see how they develop. But Aston Villa's board see themselves as a sleeping giant right now. They're prepared to spend big and they're prepared to throw a lot of money at their managers. So Gerard, in retrospect, was quite a risky name, despite the fact that he was very well known and did excellent at Rangers. He was thrown into Premier League football. And I think the fan base always had a few reservations about that, which means that the style of football became very important. And as soon as things turned against Gerard, results-wise, you had the fan base immediately on his back. And Gerard, as an icon, as a player, 
and at Rangers who have got a phenomenal fan base and naturally they had success as well. I don't think he'd ever really dealt with that. Maybe in his playing career after the slip, but even then that was more from away fans than Liverpool fans. So imagine as a player, you've always been a kind of hero. People have always warmed to you for England domestically at Liverpool and then at Rangers, it had gone very well indeed as well. So then you come into Aston Villa and results don't go your way and suddenly the mood changes and you're not used to that and you can't influence that as a player might. And I just think that Gerard got a little agitated by that pressure and it affected his man management and his decision-making from what I hear. And ultimately he got found out and we want young managers to do well and we want every manager to be given a little bit of time, which from a Leicester point of view, it's great to see Brendan Rodgers at least having those games and seemingly turning things around. But ultimately, football's a cutthroat business and Villa are heading in the wrong direction. And that's why I think the writing's been on the wall for quite some time. And it will be the right call because if Villa had stuck with Gerrard for any longer, they could easily have entered into that World Cup break in the bottom three. Yep, good stuff, Ben. Uh, Just in a word, who's taking over? Who's going to take over? Pochettino's been mentioned. Too early to say. Pochettino has been mentioned, like you say, so that is one possibility, but they'll have to be very ambitious and offer him phenomenal terms. I think Pochettino prefers to bide his time, to be honest with you, and see what else becomes available. Unai Emery is in the mix. People are mentioning Michael Beale, but it's going to be quite tough for him to take the Villa job, having explained why he wouldn't take the Wolves job because of his loyalty to QPR. If a few days later he suddenly joins Aston Villa, then that's not going to be a good look for him. So it might be quite difficult there as well. Sean Dyche will be linked as well and then two outsiders just to keep an eye on Bielsa former Leeds manager and AVB too AVB is a very distant candidate I don't think Villa are looking at him but he's very interested in Villa because I understand he still thinks he's got something to prove in the Premier League but it's an open race at the moment but one thing I do know is that a lot of the legwork behind formulating a shortlist and touting candidates had been done weeks ago, which means the Villa board are not starting from now in terms of their recruitment. They have been working on this for a number of weeks. Great stuff, Ben. Thanks a million. As always, Ben Jacobs there. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.